Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Jordana from The Middle Podcast. Just a little heads up that in today's episode, Holly and I do discuss the issue of suicide. If this brings anything up for you, we do recommend calling Lifeline on 13 13- one 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 four. Hi, you're listening to the middle where your hosts Holly as a party and Jordana Levin. In today's episode, we're chatting about the current climate of reality television and what it means to be famous, if only for 15 minutes. We reckon a meditation that will transform your quantum field and a fun new astrology account to follow. Then this week, we're going to put our whinging to the side to decipher a listener's dream. And then Holly guesses the celebrity natal chart of one of the best singer-songwriters in the biz. Who could it be, Holly? Oh, so many names are running through my head and I already know it's not Taylor Swift because we know her chart. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's a good one. It's it's one of my favorite singer-songwriters. But don't guess. We're going to wait. I'm going to put it to the side. Yeah. (laughs) How's your week been, Holly? What have you been up to? Uh, I've actually been emerging from my 2020 cave and you know what? I want to say, maybe I'm speaking too soon, that I'm kind of feeling Pisces season and a little bit feeling Mercury retrograde as well. Although I do have a funny Mercury story if you want to hear it, George. Sure. I got trapped in a car park (laughs) on the first day that Mercury went into retrograde. So I was going to a casting and I had initially parked on Burke Street in Sydney. And when I went to pay for the parking prior to the appointment, I realized it was only 15 minute windows. And I thought, no, I'm a smart gal in a Mercury retrograde world. What do you I mean am- 15 minute windows? Right? 15 minute windows. Literally, the parking that you pay for expires after 15 minutes. What? What is that? And I was like, I can't risk it. It's going to go for longer than 15 minutes. I'm going to walk out to a parking fine, especially now. And this is the these are the tools that we have when we, we know Mercury's in retrograde. We know we're more likely to get a parking ticket, right? So moved I my car. don't think that's true, and I don't know where you got that piece of Mercury retrograde information from, but it was definitely not from me. I think I made it up like most things in my life. Then you said <laughs> it with such I, conviction too. Well, that's also what I do when I make things up, and people believe me, Joe. I know, it's, it's a skill. terrifying. <laughs> I should be a lawyer. Um, anywho, so I ended up parking in this public car park. And I was following this car down, 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 couldn't find any parks, finally found a park way underneath the earth, got out of my car, went to my appointment, an hour later came back to the car park and a big roller door was blocking myself from my car. What? And what I realised was I'd gotten into residential parking and you know places that have residential parking where you need like to scan yourself in and the roller door comes up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was behind a resident and so the gate hadn't dropped down yet. So I just thought it was public parking. But once you get in there, isn't it like apartment fours parking, apartment sixes parking? Yeah, but I, I just kind of parked in a, I parked in someone's apartment spot. <laughs> <laughs> got got to this closed gate and I was like, um, and there was a buzzer, so I pressed it and it's a very serious man. Hello, building manager. Yeah. And I was like um, hey, I accidentally parked in residential parking. And he goes, how can you accidentally do that? And I was like, I couldn't explain to him Mercury retrograde. So I was like, I don't know. And he was like, all right, I'll buzz you out. But, George, I got buzzed out and I didn't have to pay anything for my parking. I love you and this is a great story. It's very humorous and it's a really good anecdote for the potty. It has nothing to do with Mercury retrograde, Holly. <laughs> It's to do with Mercury retrograde because I maybe I don't maybe I wouldn't get to my car. And you then I'd be like, Damn did you not Mercury. look at signs. 
you followed someone into a car park <laughs> and you parked in the wrong spot. It's got nothing to do with Mercury <laughs> and everything to do with you. But great story. Thank you. Got, you. So you didn't have to pay for parking in the end. You got free parking. It actually, that was the plot twist we were all waiting for. I know it. So, guys, there you go. Free parking for holes. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been, George? As good as mine? <laughs> Better. <laughs> oh, my God, stop it. I, um, I've i been away. I locked myself in a couple of cabins over the past six days um, on a self-imposed writing retreat. And the reason that I did that was because I'm nearing the deadline for book two. And I... And the procrastination queen, as most people who listen to the potty know. And Very good at it. I just really had fallen out of a writing rhythm at home. There were there was a lot going on at home, just with lots of friends going through things and me going through things and lots of things to do in the house. And I just was getting very distracted. I got out of the rhythm. And so I took Mm. myself away. I, I found these two incredible places on Airbnb. They were both phenomenal. And um, I just sat down and, and wrote. I had a very Virgo moon writing schedule, which also included meditation and naps and meal breaks and all those sorts of things. Mm. But I got through a really good chunk of work, not as many chapters as I wanted to, but the quality is pretty good, I think. And um, the most important thing is that I'm back in the flow. So now that I've come back home, um, I can sit down and feel like there's something to go back to. I love that so much, Joy. There is such power, isn't there, in taking ourselves out of our day-to-day routine, even for a brief stint, to then just get back into rhythm. Yeah, and also appreciate what you have at home as well. Like I came home and I could not wait to get up and do the lighthouse walk, which I'd kind of been getting a bit bored of in Byron. I'm Mm. really looking forward to teaching yoga tonight and I was getting a little bit over that as well. And I know I was only Mm. away for a week, but... There's just something about taking yourself out of your environment. And Mm -hmm. I think there's also a lot to be said um, for going away on your own. Um, I mean, I travel a lot on my own, but there was nothing to do in the cabins. There was very limited Wi-Fi and zero television. So it was very much about me being with me. Mm. But I really enjoyed it. I love that. There's something really brave in that as well, Jordan, and something that shouldn't be dismissed in taking yourself alone away places without distraction like you said no tv and limited wi-fi it's it's very courageous at the same time yes thank you so much that's okay i just wanted to acknowledge you for that thanks (laughs) (laughs) so this week uh we want to dive into reality tv jord but it actually is going to kick off with a little bit of a somber tone and the reason that we had started just having this conversation in our personal life is that uh, it was in light of the passing of Love Island UK's host Caroline Flack. Now for those of you who are avid listeners of the podcast you'll know that Love Island is one of my absolute guilty pleasures. I love to watch it and this sudden um, passing by suicide came as a shock to the world over really Uh, and What was interesting is, George, you and I both separately read the same article on Mamma Mia that was diving into almost the underbelly of reality TV, right? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I'm so torn about this because I think that even though Mamma Mia deems itself to be, you know, a very fair publication, it is still a media publication that's trying to get clickbait on articles, right? True. But what they did highlight, which I think is what you're referring to, is that this isn't a surprise that it's come from a reality TV star. And even more than that, it's not a surprise that it's come from a Love Island UK reality TV star as it's the third suicide in three years or something, is it? Correct. Yeah, the third suicide in the history of the program and it's not a long series at all. Yeah. Mm. Is it Love Island UK's fault? No. Is it a symptom of reality television? Possibly. Is there more that should be done to support these people who rise to fame very quickly and then just as quickly lose it? And, ha- and are expected to adjust. Now, that might seem like a really kind of like princessy thing to have a problem with, but I think there's a lot that comes with it. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of recognition. There's a lot of opportunity. And then all of a sudden it's taken away from you and you're yeah. having to readjust. 
there was a piece in the article around one of the former contestants who also passed away and they said that one day he was nobody the next day he was a superstar and then the day after that he was oh that guy who was on that reality tv show that time and then nobody again and that quick rise and then rapid fall we're not we're not prepared for that in any kind of emotional or, or mental level it's not normal no, I think um, what I found really interesting is I heard an interview, um, it was also Mama Mia Out Loud, the podcast actually talking about it. I thought they had a really good take on it. They were like, you know, someone like Meghan Markle comes out and says, hey, you know, I'm finding this really hard, like it's really impacting my mental health and the reaction to that is, oh, she's so weak, you know, she knew what she was getting herself into. These are, you know, this is the reality of it. Um but that is what we need to be looking at as a warning sign because that is her saying, hey, guys, I'm struggling. And if she's the next person to be reported as having committed suicide, we should have seen it coming. Uh, exactly right. The warning signs with Caroline were all there. And there also was this conversation, there is this conversation around the responsibility that the media plays in the way that they report these reality contestants, stars, hosts. Lies are published about people without any kind of repercussions to the journalists and the publications that are publishing them. And I mean, we also see it in our own areas, George, like with Married at First Sight and the, the stories that the media are able to spin. And we forget, yes, they've signed up to a reality TV show. Yes, they knew, I guess, a portion of what they were in for. But these are real people with real struggles. And I mean, I don't know how I'd cope under the scrutiny that they're facing every day. I think about it all the time. I wouldn't cope at all. Like, I can't handle when someone, it never happens, but every now and then someone will say a negative comment about make it happen or, mm, mm. I mean, I don't really get negative comments on social, but every now and then I'll get a bad review. And I'm like, I, I can't stop thinking about it. It sends me into a bit of a panic so mm. I can't imagine what it would be like seeing lie after lie after lie published about yourself when you have no opportunity to defend yourself and I think that's it it's like you can start trying to defend yourself through your own channels but that is a futile pursuit you know well it, it just it's it's just fighting fire with fire and there's no end in sight and then the more you fight back the more it fuels the media and so it's better to be quiet but then you're not standing up for yourself it's so messy. But what what's interesting, Geordie, is in this same article they published that last year there were more applications to appear on Love Island than there were applicants to study at Cambridge and Oxford universities. You're that very stuck. Blew my mind. Yeah, why does that blow your mind so much? Because there are more people seeking fame than knowledge. Yeah, like I get it. But also I think I get it. I, I get that. I get that because that's why the media used it in articles, because it sounds so, like, outrageous. Shocking. But when you break it down, Cambridge and Oxford University are really hard to get into. So there's only so many people that are going to be eligible to apply for those universities. Right, that makes right? sense. It's like a polarising stat. Yeah, yeah. Like the- well, they, they really <laughs> did well on me. They did a number on me because I was like, oh, my God. The way that I read it was there were more people applying for Love Island UK than... Want to go to university? Full stop. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> We're just going to have to come out and say it because we can't keep editing can't. Archie Rose out of this episode. But Archie Rose is being a real bastard today. He's just being a little shit, guys. I'm so sorry. He's Cancerian and he really does feel the water seasons and he just wants attention 24-7. It's very annoying and I apologise for his little background noise. So, George, what do you think is going to come off the back of this, like there's been demands for Love Island to just be axed altogether, but it's not just this reality TV show we're looking at, right? Like there are implications for any reality TV contestant, be them on Dancing with the Stars or Love Island. Like, for instance, I read an article this week that Angie, as in The Bachelorette Angie, is finding that her anxiety levels are flaring more on Dancing with the Stars than they ever have with Gogglebox or The Bachelorette, which is very interesting, I found. But it's because she can talk and banter to camera and to men, but she's not a dancer and she's out of her comfort zone. Um, 
not to Virgo you, but did Angie make these statements or was this an article about someone <laughs> thinking that Angie's suffering from anxiety on Dancing with the Stars? This was a quote she said in a okay. Mia article about Dancing with the Stars where she was like blacking in and out because she had food poisoning. But she was also she also did say, I've never felt so anxious in a TV show before yeah. than with Dancing with the Stars. I think because she's being judged on Dancing with the Stars. There's no judgment on Gogglebox or Bachelor. That's true, actually. She had the power in The Bachelorette and in Gogglebox. I mean, that's just the kindest reality TV show you could be on. So I guess it really depends on... I mean, a few factors, if there's judgment involved, like blatant judgment, judging panel, you're being criticised on a public platform for be it a performance, a dance, a song, actually reminds me of how awful it was. There was that stage on Australian Idol where they were doing the rejects, remember, and they got the, the worst performances to come back and do a show. And it was like they called them the unforgettables. And they were the really shitty ones. Do you remember that? No. Oh, they, it, it was like almost like public bullying of the unforgettable auditions that were unforgettable because they were so bad. And they only did it once, but it was a whole drawn out process. And that is also taking advantage of people and their mental state again for the benefit of of good TV. I don't know. I, I get so conflicted with this draw because I do watch these shows and I enjoy watching these shows. Oh, yeah, and this is this is another argument that's come up with this with this Caroline Flack stuff is are we perpetuating are we perpetuating the culture of reality television and the damage that it does to contestants? But just to play devil's advocate here, and I'm not saying this is gospel, but when you sign up for a show like this, they warn you what you're going to go through. Mm. They give everybody a full um, mental health check. Mm. They let you know that you are likely to be bullied on social media. Um, you may encounter trolls on social media. Mm. It could affect the way your friends and family treat you. Like they take you through all of it. I have a friend who was um, auditioning for MasterChef. Really? And she got through the first round, like this is before the show started, like um, through the auditions. Mm. She got to the bit that they would be filming her and everyone had to sign um, themselves over basically because they were going to be on television and Mm. they had to put them all through a psych test and all the questions on the test were things like, you know, how would you feel about – being made a joke of on television? How would you feel about being edited as um, the villain? How would you feel? All this stuff. And she mm. she ended up not going through with it because she was like, I actually couldn't cope with that. And to be honest with you, Hole, I don't think I could either. Like I really, really don't think I could cope with it. I'm really torn because I don't think I'd cope with it either, but I think if the opportunity came up to be on a show like, I mean, my dream is Dancing with the Stars, but let's say Gogglebox or Travel Guides or something like that, I'd I'd go ahead with it and then I'd realise, oh, shit, this is is serious. Well, I think Uh, that's what most people do, absolutely. Yeah. And it's and it they're too far gone. What is it, George? Do you think? And I, I'm not saying that everyone is obsessed with fame or fame hungry. I know obviously my natal chart <laughs> leads me to the predisposition of yes, like there is there's a lot about fame that feels appealing to me. But why is it? Because reality TV seems like the quickest way to get recognized, known, attention. What is it? Well, you don't have to have a talent. Ah. Uh... So if you want to be a famous actress or a famous singer or a famous, you know, writer, then you need to be skilled at those things. You need to work at it. Well, yeah, yeah or or have a real natural talent at it. But yeah. to be on reality television, you don't have to be any of those things. You just have to be reality. Isn't it interesting? Because it's like, is it are people actually really being themselves? Or because again, we're getting that produced cookie cutter version of them. Oh, there's so many layers to this conversation. It's actually quite exhausting, isn't it? Mm. Do you know the original, like, was original reality TV back when Big Brother first started? Was that one of the first reality TV shows? The first reality TV show we had in Australia was called Sylvania Waters and it followed um, the lives of an Australian family. And that was in Ah. 1992. 
Holy moly! Yeah, but uh, yeah, I think like the the sort of reality TV as we know it today was really Big Brother was the first one. And if you remember that series, we've spoken about it before, they had no idea how famous they were because there was nothing to compare it to. It's and they true. were they were the best they were the best seasons of reality shows, the first the very first ones. I'm even thinking of the Australia's next top models and the Australian idols, like even when it was um pop stars. And do you know what? Another factor that it, we're not really well, I guess it's the undertone here is social media, Instagram wasn't a thing when these things were out. So I guess there was that level of protection and privacy for the contestants because they weren't blasting their like private lives publicly to the level that everyone is now. Yeah, and also if you think about those first few seasons of reality television, those people have actually um, lasted in terms of their fame. So Guy Sebastian. Yeah. A lot of the Big Brother contestants, like um, I know they weren't the first series, but like Chrissy Swan is a big radio host now. Um, Sophie Monk. Yeah, from pop stars. But what? Yeah. What's that? Um, Emery Shiano. She oh, was. Yeah. What was she on? Big Brother. Australian Idol. Oh, Australian Big Idol. Brother. Oh, mm. both of them. Both of them. I'm pretty sure. I think she did Australian Idol first. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So those people got jobs, and um, because of being on reality television. Mm. But that doesn't happen now because there's so many of them that go through. Do you know what it's I mean? It's so true. So All they come like, out with is like a teeth whitening yeah. agreement and event invites. Absolutely. Mm. And I think that everybody thinks they're going to be the different one, you know? Yeah. Or the it's... one that makes a difference. And, I mean, you can. If you come out, like Laura Byrne's a really good example of that. So Laura Byrne, who was in the Maddie J season of Big Brother, mm. she um, – already had a business when she went in mm-hmm. and when she came out because of her fame from the bachelor she used that to grow tony may her business beautiful yeah and now mm. it's doing really well she's got lots of employees and yeah she does the odd i mean she doesn't do teeth whitening but she does the odd influencer profile thing but mainly she used the fame for her own business and i think when people do that that's when it's clever. But when they go on it purely to become famous, it's not going to last. It's so short-lived. You just become that, again, that decline, that person who was on that show that year yeah, and, like, forgotten. And I think it's also people making smart choices, you know. Like I think, again, if you don't go in with talent, you're not going to come out with talent. But someone like, again, Matty J, who I think he was in marketing or something, he actually turned out to be a pretty good TV host and, like, he's yeah. got lots of TV host gigs now. But he had to have that talent going in. Do you know what I mean? It's so true. It's not just going to – the opportunities aren't going to land in your lap if there isn't something there to cultivate first. Yeah. And it, it's not enough to just have it be a face on TV. No. So if you could be on any reality TV show whole, what reality TV show do you think you'd want to be on? I want to be on Dancing with the Stars as a star, so I need to get become a star Yeah, there's first. a few steps before that. <laughs> I know. I need to become a star on a different reality TV show like what Angie did so then I could be on Dancing with the Stars because I love to dance and I would love to learn and to dress up every week and to just perform. Yeah, it'd, it'd be, be so really fun. fun. It'd be so Don't fun. Don't you think? Mm. How about you? Um, I think there's a few different ones I'd want to be on. <laughs> um, I really, I really want to be on Gogglebox. Like I love, yes. I'd love the idea of being on Gogglebox. Um, something like travel guides would be really fun. So fun. Um, I definitely couldn't do something like Survivor. I just, I don't think physically I could hack it and I don't think comfortably I could hack it. And also strategically, like I don't think I could be good at any of those things. <laughs> I'm laughing because when you and I were watching Survivor together last week, I was like, I reckon I'd be so good at this. And you looked at me and you're like, Hull, you would be the worst at this. <laughs> <laughs> you I have would. no athletic ability. <laughs> I have no poker face. I just want everyone to like me. You've got like, zero poker face and you could I, not handle if someone had blindsided you. Like that would ruin your life. <laughs> I, why I thought I'd be good at it. You'd be <laughs> terrible. And then the only other one that, of course, I'd love to be is, like, The Bachelorette. <gasps> no, I, I lie. I couldn't do it. I couldn't. I could not go on one of those shows. 
Why not the Bachelorette though? Like you're not one of the the contestants vying for the Bachelor. Like I you, still just think I just wouldn't. Oh yeah, may, maybe the Bachelorette, but I couldn't be one of many women. I would love to be your friend on the Bachelorette that comes in to suss out the top five. <laughs> You'd be like, I'm here. It's the Holly Show. <laughs> no, I'd be the friend that you wouldn't be allowed to bring on set because I would try and make it about me. You know those friends? Do you know what? Funny yeah. story. My brother um, was on The Voice a few years ago now. Oh, yeah. And you're allowed to take your family and friends into the, you know, when they pan across to the family and friends in the room. Well, he didn't let me or my sister be in the room because we would make it about us and only my mum and dad were allowed in the room. Wow. What does that say about you? No, it says more about my brother that he's a double Leo Scorpio. (laughs) I've got to say, Hole, like I um, love astrology more than most people, but you really do judge everyone by their natal charts, don't you? I never used to. It's but you, been... like you, ju- you just judged your own dog. My own brother, but also, my- oh, yeah, my dog. Yeah, Archie, Cancerian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like Tyler is my brother, not my dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to hate you because he's a Scorpio. <laughs> Come on, dog. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, anything else you want to say about reality television? Oh, I'm still going to watch it pretty much. I don't, it's it's so frustrating because there are some real necessary changes that need to be made from a production level uh, and until that changes, I don't know, do we boycott reality TV? We've had this conversation before too. It is not cause and effect. It is not reality television causes people to commit suicide. That is not what is going on here. What is going on here is that there is not enough conversation and enough enough systems in place around how people manage their mental health once they've been on reality television. And it's not just reality, reality television. It's like are there mental health plans in place for people who have been fired from their jobs or made redundant? Are there mental health plans in place for people who, um, you know, don't make it into... The fireys after, you know, auditioning for, I don't think you call it auditioning, but, you know, people try for years to get into the fire brigade. This is, this is what I'm saying. Like there's lots of different avenues that can cause this kind of, um, despair and disappointment in people, I guess. And, and social media as well. I mean, like some of the stuff that you see on there, whether you've been on reality television or not is going to affect people's mental health and are there systems in place for this no there's not so what can we do as a society to start to not only keep our eye out for someone who's struggling like Meghan Markle very extreme example but you know what I mean if someone's saying I'm struggling instead of us as society going oh you're weak you asked for it perhaps we go well what can I do great example somebody needs to go and visit Britney Spears and see oh, if she is okay. Prime example, how are people how are the people closest to her not taking her phone away from her and putting her in a rehabilitation station station center right now because she is clearly not mentally well. Mm-mm. It makes me so upset every time I see a video of her because the next piece of news we're going to see about Britney Spears is that she's either OD'd on something or she's ended her life because she yeah. is very, very mentally unstable. Yes. And all that's happening is people are laughing at her videos and they're becoming viral. Well, it's an entertainment factor, isn't it? Yeah. It is. It's, it's this sick and twisted obsession that we have as a society of people who are struggling or doing behaving in a weird way and we get a kick out of it because it makes us feel better about ourselves when, in fact, that person is not well. Um, yeah, there's there's more conversation that needs to be had around this, George, for sure. Let's quit. Okay. What are you recommending for us this week? Do you want to change the segment to recommended recommendations? <laughs> Why do I keep saying it? I just feel like it's a 2020 vibe, guys. We're, we're not recoing anymore. It's recommendations. <laughs> uh, my reco this week is um, it's quite it's quite a broad reco, so do with it what you will. But um, I have been doing daily 
Joe Dispenza Meditations. Now, Dr. Joe Dispenza wrote the book Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself and Supernatural. Um, he is incredible and his meditations um, are very – oh, God, how would you even describe them, Holly? Basically, it's a mixture of his guide, his, he guides you with his voice um, – there's binaural beats playing in the background. There's Bija mantras that come through. Um, and he's basically taking you through all the different brain waves. Mm. And you feel it, you feel it on a mental level. You definitely feel it on an energetic level, but you even feel it on quite a physical level. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're very, I was going to say they're visceral. Yeah. They're very visceral. They're, um, very long. Um, and if you'd like to listen to them, you actually have to purchase them off his website. Now, I highly recommend that if you are to do these meditations that you have read Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. He mm. guides you through the science behind it. Um, and if you haven't read the book, I don't think you're really going to understand what he's talking about in the meditations because it's very um, – it's very foreign if, you, if you're not familiar with his concepts. So um, I guess it's two recos in one. Read Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. The audiobook's really good if you don't feel like reading it. And then go to his website and download the meditations. And um, I have had – I had three consecutive weird-ass things happen after doing them. I'll just tell you one of them. So basically at the end of – the meditation, Joe asks you to ask the universe for a sign to say that the universe has heard, um, what you've been asking for and your vision of the future, of the future and to confirm this to, to send you a sign that there'll be no, um, confusion about what that sign means and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I was doing them before bed at one point. So I was sort of in this really kind of like lucid dream state. And I went to sleep and that night I dreamt of a snake in my house. Mm. And um, I wasn't really scared of the snake, but I also was not very happy about a snake being in my house. Anyway, woke up and I was like, that's weird. And um, I was at home during the day and I was sitting on my couch and I had my back to the front door, which is glass. The doors in my house are glass. And I don't even know why I turned around. I didn't hear anything. But I turned around to my front door and right at the front door standing up on its belly was a snake looking into the house and its head was like up and its eyes were darting from side to side trying to see me it was so crazy I've never seen a snake I mean there's snakes everywhere in Byron but I haven't seen one at my house before and um the fact that it came the night after the dream and it had come right up to the front door stood up on its belly and looked in and I knew that was the sign. So snakes um, are symbolic of fertility, but also um, of creativity, which is what I was real. That's what You're I was right. doing in the in the meditation. Yeah. Oh my God. And you're not exaggerating either. Not that you do. That's more of a me thing. But <laughs> you sent me a photo, and the snake yeah. was looking at you. I know. It was so creepy. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. These meditations are incredible. I've never experienced anything that I've experienced when I've been sitting in the 75-minute long ones, but they're so good. Yeah, they're so good. And also, just so you know, at the beginning of the meditation, he says, sit up straight, straight spine, and Holly and I just lie down. So We lie down. <laughs> but, but sometimes we fall asleep, and that doesn't work. Like, you'd like well, to think that you get hypnotized, but I don't well, know. I was talking to Zoe about it, and she seems to think that it's still working. I love Zoe for that. Yeah, because you're still sort of hearing it on this kind of like beta brainwave level. It's true. I did have whack dreams the night that I slept with it on. Mm. Oh, my God. So good. Such a good reco, George. Yeah, I really, really good. Reco. Yeah. Second reco. And what's your reco, Holly? I My reco for the week is an astrology page that I love mm. to follow on Instagram. So this is for those of you interested in getting more of the natal chart goodness into your newsfeeds. And – my record for the week is Nadine Jane underscore astrology. We'll put her in the show notes. We'll put her in the newsletter for the week so you get the spelling right. Now, I love her for a number of reasons. She's a New York-based astrologer. She also has a podcast that I haven't listened to, Jord, but the name of the podcast is great. It's What Time Was I Born? Cute. <laughs> so cute. But she just released today, every month she does a mantra 
for each of the zodiac signs. So today her mantras for each of the, us came out for Pisces season. So would you like to hear the Gemini one? Yes. Seeing as you both have Gemini placements, I thought I'd read that one. Sure. So this month is for my career dreams, for the ambitions that I hold close to my chest because the pain of rejection seems too large to bear, but not this month. I'm going to ask for that dream promotion. I'm going to apply to that dream job. My dreams are worth the risk. So she does these beautiful tiles for each zodiac sign every month, dependent on the season. They're really beautiful, simple mantras that you can just repeat to yourself. But that's not all she does. Like she goes into detail in her stories and in her posts explaining, you know, north node versus south node or what your rising sign means when your moon's in this. And she also does full moon, eclipse and new moon synopses. And I really like her writing style as well. So that's my reco, Jordan. Natal charts. Oh, I'm so excited. Who am I guessing? Is it Justin Bieber? No. What, you think he's the singer-songwriter of our generation? Oh, my God, is it John Mayer? Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Guess the celebrity natal chart of John Mayer. <clears throat> he's a bloody creative genius. Hmm. Oh, he's also a bit of a dick. Is there a water placement? No. Oh, interesting. Hmm. Are you saying, the reason I asked, are you saying water signs are dicks? No, no. <laughs> I was actually saying, I was actually thinking he's got a sensitivity about him in the way that he writes that could have been, you know, a little bit Piscean. But no. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see that. I probably no, I would have guessed it. a Pisces moon. Yeah, that that's where I was going with that. Mm. But that's okay. Um, <clears throat> okay, okay. Work with me here. Is there a Taurus placement? No. Oh, far out. I would have loved for him to have a Taurian placement because I don't know why. I just love Taurian men. John Mayer. My dear, we're slow dancing in a bird. Fire. Yes. Double fire. No. Oh, just one fire placement. Fire moon. Yes. Mm, he's not obviously fire, is he? Well, I don't know. It's hard for me because I can see the chart. But uh, I'm just—I don't know. I should have—I should have guessed before I looked at it. It's fine. I'm going to park the fire moon for a second because okay. that could go a number of ways. It depends on what his his other two signs are. Um, there has to be an Earth placement. No, there's not, Holly. So there does he's, not have to be one. Is he double air fire? Yeah. Oh my god, he's me. <gasps> is he Libran? Yes. Oh. Oh, is he Gemini rising? No. Okay. Is he Libra rising? Yes. He's double Libran. Yes. That's a sensitivity with a Leo moon. No. Aries. No. Sag. I'm disappointed. Why? I feel like it's a boring natal chart. <laughs> Why? I don't think it's boring at all. I think that the reason that he's so talented is he sees beauty in everything. He's got his sun and his rising are both Libran. And I think that his Sag moon gives him fire and a bit of like um, passion and drive. And I think it's quite a good chart. Yeah, that's a nice way of looking at it. I don't know why I'm disappointed. Double Libran is a lot. If any listeners are double liberal, let us know how you feel about that. Why do that, you think that's like, a lot, Hole? Because um, the people-pleasing would just be, like, suffocating, unless you got that shit under control. Liberal is a beautiful sign, beautiful sign, but it's, like, constantly adapting yourself to each circumstance and person and the, the, the ability to adapt. It's just it feels exhausting. Yeah, but also keep in mind that your ascendant is how people view you. So his ascendant's not affecting him too much, right? That's true. His moon is really the overarching 
John Mayer that he is. So he is fire, right? And, the, and he is because he's a performer. Yeah, and what he shows to the world is Libra, which is true, and how we perceive him is how he's showing himself. So we see him for who he is. We see John Mayer for who he projects himself as, but on the inside, his soul, he's Saggy. I actually really like it now. You've won me over, Libra Moon. Um, but I also like that, I mean, if you listen to his lyrics and the way that he writes, also double air, communicator, writer, performer. Yeah, his Mercury is also Libra. It, well, it makes sense because it's all around, like, it's poetic and it's love-focused and it's romantic and, yeah, that's very Libran-focused. It's also, it's really interesting. You know, he does have a bit of a um, player reputation. But I also have a look at some of the women who are commenting on him and I'm like, hmm, I actually wonder if it's you because he has, he, his, his Mars is in Cancer Oh, and, yeah, and his Venus is in Virgo, so there's not much like evilness happening there. No, he's very at soft. All. Yeah, um, he actually doesn't have the natal chart of a dickhead at all. His Chiron is in Taurus, so again, it's that like that struggle with like the um, the practicalities of life, but also that the beauty and the truth and the heart stuff. Yes, and, yeah. So I think it's quite a nice chart. It's a very gentle chart, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we would run circles around him, poor guy. But we'd have lots to talk about. I mean, I think I'd quite enjoy him. Mm, let's double, call him in for air you. Double fire. Mm. Well, I mean, that's me. You quite enjoy me. It's not always about you, Holly. <laughs> but most of the time, it sort of is. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're exhausting. I know you guys think Holly's really fun, but she's actually exhausting. A psychic told me once that my own children would be exhausted by me. <laughs> well, I don't think that's true. I think your children would love you a lot, and I think you'd be a beautiful mother. Thank you. <laughs> and they could always just come and hang out with me. To have a breather from their yeah. exhausting like, mother. Jordy, cook us food. Holly made <laughs> us this really random smoothie. They'd call you Holly too, don't you reckon? No, that's like my my mum gets called by her first name by my sister because she's so sassy. She's like Jenny, Jen. Yeah, if my child called me by my first name. I couldn't cope with that. I'd let them do it, but I'd be upset. I wouldn't. I'd be like, the reason I had children was so that someone would call me (laughs) mum. Back to your room, child. That's what you will call me from now on. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna we've got a new little segment. We're gonna be changing up the segment. Uh, some weeks we're gonna have a whinge. Some weeks we're gonna decipher a dream. <laughs> it's just the way that we work around here. Yeah. So um, there was nothing that we really wanted to whinge about this week. So we thought we would decipher a listener's dream. And the. Dream that we're deciphering actually has come through from a few listeners, so Facebook and Instagram. So we're not going to put any name to this dream. It's quite a personal one, but know that there is definitely more than a handful of listeners who have had this dream. I've experienced in the past as well. But the dream is I always dream about my boyfriend cheating. They're so vivid and I wake up so upset by it. He'd never cheat, but it's a constant reoccurring dream. It's so funny. I um, remember, I don't think I've told this story on the potty before, but I remember waking up one morning next to my boyfriend and he was livid with me. And I I was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like we had not mm-hmm. had a fight the night before and he just wouldn't look me in the eye and he was huffing and puffing around the house and I was trying to get ready for work and it was just like this whole big debacle. And he used to walk me to the bus every morning and um, he, I was like, you're going to walk me to the bus? And he's like, no, I can't even look at you. And I was like, <gasps> what the fuck is going on? Anyway, I hopped on the bus to work and I texted him and I'm like, babe, what is going on? Like we were fine when we went to bed and this morning you're just, and he's like, I just, 
I can't, I can't. We'll talk when you get home. And I was like, what have I done? I was like racking my brain. I'm like, I've done something. The whole day at work, I was so upset. Anyway, I got home and he'd calmed himself down. He'd had a dream that night that I had slept with his best friend. Oh, and the ultimate betrayal. Yeah, and it was so real to him that when he woke up, all the feelings that he was feeling in the dream that had obviously driven the dream in the first place mm. were so real and so visceral that he couldn't actually shake them. And uh, we talked it out and he let it go and it was all fine. We actually had to call his friend and his friend was like, I would definitely never sleep with George. <laughs> it was like this whole big thing. He's like, okay, thanks, guys. <laughs> but um, the reason I bring that up is I think, and I've said this on the potty before about dreams, I think a lot of the time when we're dreaming, what we're dreaming is a visual representation of what we're feeling. And it's not necessarily that you feel like your partner's going to cheat on you. But if you're feeling anxious or unsafe or whatever feelings come up for you around a partner's infidelity, that's something that needs to be addressed. And it may have nothing to do with the partner. It may just be that that's how it's being visually represented in your subconscious. Yeah, because a lot of the time our dreams give us the most exaggerated story or version of a thing to get the message clear. And the most obvious, right? Like right. What, what, what's the most obvious thing I can attach fear and unsafety to? I know, my partner leaving me. Yeah, yeah. and I, the thing that the message or the theme that comes up for me, because I've had that dream before, Trent, Trent has it more actually that I've cheated on him and he'll wake up in a huff as well, but not lasting the whole day. <laughs> but <laughs> That's great. I love that. But I feel like it, it's often pointing to self-worth as well and feeling undeserving of something because for me, sometimes the dream will pop up and we've been in a really great place. It's like, why all of a sudden are these questions coming to light? And it's like, oh, okay, right, because I'm feeling like this is too good to be true or there must be something going on behind the scenes because how can things feel so great right now or I'm not deserving of a solid, loving relationship. Um, so I would almost... This is where dream journals are so great, George, because you can take to your journal and write out the feelings that you're associating with the dream, right? Mm. Do you do that? Because I know you're not really privy to journaling at all, but what about with dreams? Not really. I mean, I um, have very psychic dreams. Um, Mm. I kind of decipher them as I wake up. I probably should write them down. Um, But no, I don't do that. (laughs) What about if the dream is recurring? So it's, you know, Every week you're getting the same cheating on me dream. Is that just a louder message from the universe going, look at your insecurities, look at what's under the surface here, look at these feelings and work on them? If you're dreaming the same, uh, yeah, if you're dreaming the same emotions over and over again or the same things playing out, then that's definitely a sign from your subconscious, not from the universe. Like that's your own sign. You're sending your yourself a sign you know totally exactly and again I guess it's the reminder that your partner is absolutely likely not cheating on you and this is you looking at yourself in the mirror after the dream not pointing a finger at them but not only is your partner not cheating on you but your partner has nothing to do with it yeah you know it's like this is all your brain and this is the thing about dreams it's like I mean, unless unless you're having particularly psychic dreams where you are dreaming of things that haven't happened yet, it's all mm. of it's all of the workings of your own subconscious. So, what would you say to someone who's listening to this and going, oh, "But what if it is a psychic dream?" <laughs> I think you know if it's a psychic dream. I mean, my hunch with the cheating partner is if you think your partner is cheating on you, then you don't need a dream to tell you that. That's so true. That's absolutely true. I was just going to ask if you have any recurring dreams yourself. Oh, the only recurring dream I have is, um, well, not anymore, but do you remember I told you I used to dream about the same man every year for, uh, every, every, like not every night, but a lot of times between the ages of six and 15. That's right. Yeah. Has he stopped coming to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since he, since right? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. <laughs> that was that was just like a few weeks ago. Um, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But other than that, no, not really. I think as a kid, I used to have recurring dreams a lot more than I do now. It's like my subconscious is like, no, we will not watch the same dream over again. I'm bored. Give <laughs> me something new to watch. <laughs> yeah, but I dream every night. Like, do you dream every night? 
I dream every night. It's rare if I wake up and I don't haven't had a dream. But a dream that has been recurring for me, I'd say on and off over the last maybe two years, is stepping onto a stage about to perform, lol, and forgetting my lines. Oh. Like, so it, it's very symbolic. I haven't sat properly with it, but it will happen. I'll probably have that dream once a month. Yeah, wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'll be scrambling backstage to try and find like a prop that I can disguise the lines with to like hide that I've totally forgotten them. It's so weird. That is so weird. Isn't it? Isn't it just so funny too? It's like I'm stepping center stage about to give the performance of my life. <laughs> so good. Um, guys, there is another little segment that down the track we um, are wanting to introduce to the show. We just want to see what the response is here. We wanted to do like an agony aunt type segment where you guys write into us um, with any maybe problems that you have or anything that you'd like our advice or our opinions on. Obviously not professional opinions, but you know, um, yeah. So if yeah. so, yeah. So if you do, um, just sending us an email, and our email address is the middle podcast show or one word at gmail.com so that's the middle podcast show at gmail.com please don't ask us nutrition questions naturopath questions reproductive questions mental health questions we're talking a little bit more like life questions or natal chart questions or what's some other things people could ask us whole I mean, you could ask us what to do if you find out that your dreams are right and your boyfriend's cheating on you. Yeah. We're happy to talk that out. Think- and you can also be anonymous. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, I think that I think we will keep them anonymous. Yeah. So, we, I mean, obviously when you email us, we're going to know it's you, but we won't say your name. Um, and, yeah, think of it like an agony aunt type situation. Yeah. It's kind of like Dolly Doctor but without the medical advice. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't try and tell us about your vagina. <laughs> we, yeah, it's fine. Unless it's about a disappearing yoni egg, in which case we would love to hear. Tell us everything. You've been listening to The Middle with your host, Holly Azapati and Jordana Levine. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore middle underscore podcast or find us on Facebook. Just search The Middle Podcast. If you'd like to sign up to our newsletter, you can find a link to do so in our Instagram bio or you can find a, a link to the newsletter in the show notes of this episode. Yes. Until next week, have a wonderful time hanging out in the middle (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh, your face looks terrified just then you're like what am I gonna (laughs) fucking say (laughs) it's the last five words and I'm fucking catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 